stand in reverence as we read the scripture this morning from Romans 5. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us, and that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of God for the people of God. There is an emphasis in this part of the letter to the Romans as Paul's writing to these early Christians in Rome on this idea that God acted in Christ before they knew it. God has acted in Christ before we know it. Paul is describing the condition we are in before we know Christ. He uses some pretty strong language. He uses words like ungodly, sinners, and enemies of God. Paul wants to pound home the point that left to our own devices, left by ourselves, without God's help, we are in trouble and will fail to live in line with the purposes and the will of God. He wants to further point out that because of that, we don't earn this love of God or this grace of God that we received. We're not good, then God loves us, but in fact, God is loving us before we ever know it. You maybe heard it in a phrase there in the opening prayer where it talks about we do not receive this love based on our own merit, but out of the bounteous goodness of God, we are offered this love. Paul's discovery out of his own experience is that God loved him even when he was persecuting Christians. In fact, he's on his way to Damascus to find some other Christ followers that he can arrest and bring back to Jerusalem to try, hopefully to jail. When he meets the risen Christ, and his life is changed forever. And he realizes God loves him, even him, even when he is persecuting in the midst of going after those who would follow Christ. In some of our communion liturgies, we lift verse 8 right out of this passage because it's such a great summary of the gospel. I've put it in your outline. Paul wrote, but God proves his love toward us and that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. Paul goes on to discuss whom might die for whom and under what circumstances. But all of it, he says, is God's doing. Then Paul says our part in this is to trust God's love or to have faith in God's love to see us through Last Sunday, we were in the chapter just before this, and I would emphasize the part where Paul says that God is able. God can do what God promises to do. This chapter, we shift to where Paul says we are able, due to what God has done and is doing for us through Christ. Years ago, I was the youth minister here 
We had an opportunity because our Boy Scout troop had bought some new equipment to get into rock climbing and rappelling. They had gone out and had several experiences. Then some of the scout leaders said, you know, David, if you ever want to take the rest of the youth, we could go set up the ropes and everybody could have that experience. I thought that sounded like a great idea, good fun. I knew it would be an experience in trust. So we set the date and gathered everybody together, went out to a cliff face. Leaders were great, instructed us about how this was to work, showed us how they'd already set up the rigging and the ropes, how we put the harnesses on so that we can safely move down the rock face. In fact, a couple of boys who were in the scout troop were also in the youth group, so they went first to show us how this is done. Then the leader said to the rest of us, the newbies, who wants to be the first to go? Nobody wanted to back up to the cliff and step off backwards. Kind of counterintuitive. But being the leader, I said, oh, of course, I'll go. So I step into the harness, get all rigged up, move over to the edge. You're supposed to lean back, keep your feet on the cliff face. I'm kind of laughing nervously. <laughs> I'm sure this is going to be fine. All the kids are watching. I look down again at the guy who's down there holding the rope to be my counterbalance, and I say, are you sure you've got me? He said, I'm sure. You're good. So I take that first step. Another. I'm still good. About the third step, all of a sudden, you realize this rope and harness really can't hold me. The adrenaline is flowing, but the excitement, the fun kind of kicks in as you kind of glide down the rock face. I made it safely, then the next kid, and the next kid, and the next kid. Everybody had the same experience. You can see them backing up to the cliff face and sort of that fear and trepidation in their eyes. Like, is this going to be all right? Can I, I know I've seen you do it, but can, can I really trust this? Will I be able to trust this? And sure enough, after the first step or two or three, you see them light up and the excitement and the joy of the experience overcomes them. All of the kids go down without a problem. By then, my wife, Mary, has come. And the leader says to her, hey, Mary, we still have some daylight. You want to try it? She was like the rest of us. She's like, um, you sure we have enough light? I said, I know, I, honey, I've got this. I've already done it. We've got two ropes. I'll get on the other one. I'll show you how it's done. I'll demonstrate. You can go down with me. She says, okay, I'll try. So we both get harnessed up. We both move up to the cliff. I'm looking at her. She's looking down. I'm like, this is going to be great. I take my first step off. She takes her first step off. I take my second step. She takes her second step I'm explaining to her how great this is when I get a little confused and there's supposed to be one hand on this rope and another hand behind you holding the bottom of the rope which is your brake but if you get your hands confused in your brain while explaining to your wife how this works you know what happens you begin to turn upside down and before you know it you're hanging upside down on a rope and your wife's looking at you like, what in the world are you doing and why are we here? The kids are laughing, some are yelling instructions at me, panics roiling across my brain trying to figure out how did I get here like this? Luckily, the leader on the ground was calm, talked me through it, I righted myself and we continued on down the rock face. Once we were all on the ground, everybody had a good laugh. But in fact, it accentuated what I was hoping the young people would experience because it showed so vividly how important it is to trust the community of faith, to trust the community that you're with, to be able to listen to others when you find yourself upside down against a rock face. We've all had that experience in our lives where we got off track, or all of a sudden we're upside down in life and we're not sure how we got there or what to do next. And it's so important to be able to listen 
and to have a community of faith to surround you and help you until you get right side up again or you get back on track. Paul is saying to these early Christians at Rome, hold on to faith. Hold on to faith. Stay in your community. Let others help you through. Paul says, God is able, but with faith, we too are able. Paul says, although faith activates this gift of grace in our lives, it is still not our doing alone. Right after he describes how suffering leads to endurance and character, right there in verse 5, he says character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. God is able to do what God says God will do, but not only that, God is empowering us as we have faith. God is pouring God's love into us, filling us with God's Spirit, leading us and showing us the way. Paul wants us to know that God is with us, that God is able. But as we have faith, as we learn to trust in God, we too become ever more able. What good news to know that God is with us and God is at work with us even when we're off track, even when we're upside down in our lives, that God does not abandon us, but God is with us and God empowers us as we trust. Paul says it's like being ungodly and being moved to godly. It's being moved from sinners to justified. It's like being an enemy of God and being moved to being reconciled with God. Or even more than that, he says in another place that we capture in our core values that God helps us become ambassadors for reconciliation. All of this is based on God's unending love for us. That no matter where we are or what we're doing, God loves us and God is with us. And God is ready to lead us into the future. Our role is to have faith and trust in God. May it be so. Amen. And thanks be to God.